three, two, one. Welcome to the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we take your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. Remember, remember the spliff of November, the gunpowder, treason, and pot, a.k.a. BVE, Big Vigilante Energy. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ty. Yep, this is T for Ty. What's up, guys? I love it. And today we are reviewing the 2005 movie V for Vendetta. This bad boy was adapted from an Alan Moore comic book and directed by James McTeague. But uh, cool thing is the screenwriters are the Wachowskis, formerly known as the Wachowski Brothers. Yeah, kind of cool. I actually didn't even realize that till uh, till we rewatched for this that they had written it. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Alan Moore actually relinquished his writing credit for this film. Uh, because of how badly his other movies were received, his uh, other comic book to movie adaptations were received, and all of the credit and money from this went to the artist of the comic. Wow, that's kind of crazy. But you know, like a lot of people talk about Alan Moore, and they talk about how how nuts he is, and how like he wants to be, you know, away from society. He wants no part in this stuff. But after uh, watching this movie and reading the comic. I have so much more appreciation for him as a human being and I get it, man. You know, they, they usually ruin stuff (laughs) and, um, you know, we're going to get into the movie more, but they did make a lot of changes. All right. And you're going to be able to compare that to to the comic because unlike me, you actually read it. I did. I finished it like 15 minutes ago, so I'm ready. All right. That's awesome. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Ty, please give him the plot. Sure. V for Vendetta. In a future British tyranny, a shadowy freedom fighter known only by the alias of V plots to overthrow it with the help of a young woman. Oh, I thought it was going to be longer than that, just because of how long the film was. But no, I guess I guess that's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> they're usually exactly good. They're usually good about it, man. They usually keep it short and sweet, you know. But, they're straight uh, to it. There is a lot to this film. That's right. So, uh, so we start off with this film. Uh, I believe they're in the 2030s. Uh, you can correct me if. Uh, if I'm wrong, but yeah, so I believe they're in the 2030s. It's the not too distant future. And they start off with this brief history of Guy Fawkes with the whole remember, remember the 5th of November rhyme. Uh, For those of you who don't know who Guy Fawkes was, he was a Catholic religious fanatic who attempted with with a few other people, actually, I don't know how big the the gunpowder plot crew was, the... uh, the GP, the GPC, <laughs> um, the notorious GPC. Uh, but he attempted to blow up Parliament in order to get the Protestant king out of there uh, and get a get a Catholic king in, uh, as far as I know. Is that that about cover it? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't think he was really a hero, but uh, it is kind of interesting to think, like, what would have happened if he had blown up Parliament? You know, like, where would, where would Britain have gone? And... Uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was actually tortured and would not give up the information. Like he was, he was pretty badass, though. He like he would he refused to give in. I think eventually he did, but it was after extensive torture. I think he said his his uh, alias was like John Johnson, and they were like, "All right, 
torture this guy. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he was he was caught. He was executed publicly, and in England they have uh, they actually have a Guy Fox Day on November fifth. They burn an effigy of Guy Fox and um, eat potatoes. And remember, uh, <laughs> they celebrate the the fact that he was caught and couldn't cause any damage uh, to to the country. But this movie is very much the opposite of that. So V's big plan is to actually blow up Parliament, and he wears a Guy Fawkes mask. The mask was actually designed specifically for the comic book, and then when the movie became popular, other groups like Anonymous and the Occupy Wall Street movement, uh, they co-opted the mask for themselves as well. What is V's reason for wanting to blow up Parliament, Ty? Well, I I don't think they tell you originally what the plan is, you know, why he wants to do it, but... um they're living in a fascist time uh you know the the government of britain is is fully fascist and they have taken the rights away from most people they have eliminated um gay trans uh people of of different races it is uh you know the the worst possible future you could imagine um and and his plan is to you know bring back freedom to the people and you know he's going to destabilize the government, destroy parliament, and uh, you know incite a rebellion. Yeah, I mean the one thing I will, I mean I'll credit this film with a lot of things. I don't know why I said the one thing I'll give this film. But the <laughs> Just thing one that, thing that caught me off guard is how they pretty much get straight into it from the get go, which I really liked. Uh, they introduce you, they introduce V to Evie rather quick, but within like the first like twenty minutes, he specifically gets on TV and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna blow up parliament." <laughs> With a, it sounds like uh, Nicholas Cage when he says, "I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind—it's kind of how the comic goes too. I mean, pretty pretty quickly, um, we're introduced to Evie in the comic. She's actually trying to become a prostitute because it's so difficult to make ends meet in under this government that uh, she's 16 years old, has no parents, uh, they've been killed, and she basically is just trying to survive. Um, and the night she tries to become a prostitute, she's going to be raped and murdered by, um, by like government agents, you know, the police there. Uh, I think they're called the Finger. And in, in the movie, you know, she's out to meet uh, a friend. Her, her, I think it's actually her boss, uh, Diedrich. And uh, same thing. She's cornered by the police, and, and they're going to rape and murder her. And, and V saves her, and, and basically, uh, you know, shows her you know, the beginnings of his plan as he, he you know, blows up the the Statue of Justice and. Uh, you know, so he plays this beautiful music and he starts already inciting, you know, in the people, this, this, you know, rebellion and this resistance. Yeah, I really, uh, I loved how they got it going. I loved how they had this whole, the media plays such a huge role in this movie. It basically is a character itself. Uh, and yeah, th- these, these guys are the finger men because the chancellor of, of Britain is the head and of course his name is uh sutler uh played by john hurt uh but yeah so sutler is the head so the the people who do his enforcing are the are the finger men uh they you know i'm gonna hop around a little bit here because we're you know there were a lot a lot of really awesome moments in the in the film but uh you know from the beginning this guy who who is uh the mouth of what do they call him the mouth of london or the mouth of britain i think it's britain all right, so the yeah the the mouth of uh, Britain, his name is uh, Prothero. 
he he's talking about how like Britain is a country based on God and you know the, the we only had bad things because of homosexuals and immigrants and Muslims and and the sickly we do find out later on that there is a virus which makes it very appropriate to talk about now especially um, yeah and fascist governments you know so yeah <laughs> yes also very appropriate <laughs> to talk about and uh, and they also talk about the quote unquote former United States because there's been a civil war in the in the Midwest of the United States once again super uh, prevalent <laughs> right now unfortunately yeah um uh, but yeah so so we have Evie she ends up coming across the the finger men who are like they're coming off as creeps to begin with when she threatens to mace them that's when they're like oh. You're going to attack us? We got to defend ourselves. And they show their badges then. And, and, you know, I think that's so relevant to right now because we do have these this this mentality that obviously, you know, there's still police brutality and stuff going on. Uh, you know, we're still in what the third, fourth wave of the Black Lives Matter movement and everything. And um, and we do see that we have cops who are allowed to act with impunity. We have law enforcement that's allowed to act with impunity and do whatever they want. And then when a civilian defends themselves, all of a sudden it's, oh, you were resisting arrest. You were attacking a cop. We can do whatever we want to you. And that happens in this movie. And not to mention the movie was made in 2005, but the comic book was written in 1982. It's ridiculous how applicable it still is. It, it, it takes place in the 90s, uh, as where the movie takes place in the 2030s. So it, you know, uh, it, it, the comic is written and takes place many, many years ago. But um, a lot of what we're seeing in it obviously has not gone away, um, has carried over. And, and this is a British comic. You know, Alan Moore is from England. Um, he, it's about London and and England. But he, you know, he obviously he's captured some very similar themes and feelings that I think people around the world are experiencing. Um, unfortunately, you know, and, and so we see these, these fingermen, these police want to use their badge, uh, as power, right? They want to use it to manipulate Evie because they know that she can't fight back. She's not allowed to fight back. And, uh, they have a reason now to do what they want to her. Yeah. They'll look for any reason to do whatever it is they want. Uh, so of course, uh, she ends up getting saved by this, this vigilante, uh, who bears an interesting resemblance to, uh, end of his life, Michael Jackson, uh, with the with the hair, <laughs> the hair, and the guy fox mask, the white mask, the knives, uh, pronounced cheekbone, the knives. <laughs> MJ was known for his incredible knife usage. That's right. Uh, I'm gonna cut you. Huh? You know how he did it. Um, yep. But yeah, Beat so it. so he beats the crap out of these guys. He doesn't kill them. Which that was I surprising to me because later on he brutalizes like every cop he fights. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it is very interesting to to see the way that he behaves in this movie. Yeah, um, it, he's very erratic. I mean, he you know he definitely comes off as someone who's unstable, but also brilliant. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great way of of describing it. And Evie isn't sure what he's going to do to her now that he did what he did to these guys. So she wants to mace him. And I did think it was interesting that like we live in a world now that because we believe what the system tells us, the people who fight authority often come off as the villains or they're often exposed as villains, even if authority is the real villain. And I, you know, I think that's no different here. I mean, granted, if I, if I were Evie, I would have done the same thing, but you know, we're all about reading between the lines to a disgusting extent here. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, this comic is very anti-government, very anti-police um, very pro rising up. 
you know, we, we find out a lot of it. So, like, in the movie, um, you know, when they discuss about Evie's parents, I'm jumping around a little bit, but, you know, she was they were political activists. And uh, because of their political activism, they were murdered by the government. Um, in the comic, they actually straight up say they were socialists. So they were they were socialists who were Get killed the fuck by out of here. No, I swear they were socialists who were murdered How? by a fascist government. So you know Alan Moore was not fucking around. He he was coming out and and just saying exactly you know how he felt. Um, and, and you know, basically saying, listen, like socialism, uh, you know, communism even is the enemy of fascism. And I think it's a debate that we're having right now, uh, you know, with Trump calling out Antifa um, and, and people, you know, calling Black Lives Matter supporters communists and socialists and all kinds of things like that as if it's a bad thing. But, you know, what it really boils down to it is, yeah, that that's, you know, socialists are the enemy of, of fascists and fascists are not the good guys. Like, let's not forget that here. Yeah, like if you're pro-fascism, that's the only reason you have to be, you know, ag- against socialists or anti-fascists or whatever whatever you want to call them. Lots of fun buzzwords that conservatives like to use anytime anything is inconvenient. It's oh, this is communism. You're a commie. I don't like what you. You're a yep, commie. You're a commie. Like you you're said. a commie. Um, but yeah, I'd also like to just give uh, an amazing kudos to the writing of this film to Hugo Weaving's uh, delivery. Uh, he, I, I wrote down in my notes, I'm like, this is a hero who speaks in iambic pentameter. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, he just seems so well collected. She asks him, who are you? And he has this whole, who is but the form following a function of what? And what I am is a man in a mask. So I, I like that right there because he doesn't really think of himself as anyone special. He thinks of his ideal as special. You know, he just says, I'm just a guy in a mask. And, you know, at the beginning of the of the of the movie there's also this uh, this voiceover this narration that says a man can be caught killed forgotten but an idea can change the world and we see that illustrated in this film as well yeah i mean i, I think he knows right off the bat he cannot save england he cannot save the world you know single-handedly but if he can spark the idea if he can get the people to believe in that idea then that can save them right and it's something that i think we've discussed actually on this podcast i know a lot of people uh you know, on the left, have talked about it, you know, when Bernie Sanders kind of, um, for example, supported Joe Biden, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, man, you know, the, the movement's dead. The movement's not dead, you know, just because the man maybe not isn't pushing it anymore because he's, you know, he's joined uh, with the Democrats, to, you know, to push that agenda. That movement is still alive and we can still keep it going. Uh, and I think that's something that, you know, is very scary to to the right and 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 to fascists because they, they don't want that movement to survive they don't want people to believe that you know we can rise up together uh and and you know take back what is ours well that's a big threat to the two-party system as a whole uh yeah I mean, the two-party system is a threat in general to to our country uh but even the republicans i think a lot of them in 2016 did not want to vote for trump they were like all right you know let's go let's go Kasich or cruz or, or whatever like trump was absolutely the very last thing but because they were so committed to quote their party they found themselves following a man instead of the ideals that he represents he didn't really represent as far as i believe you know a lot of uh like true conservative ideals a lot of like republican ideals you know because i i do believe that pretty much every you know racist and hateful person is most likely a republican but i don't believe that every republican is a racist or hateful person you know if yeah I, I agree with that absolutely and you know i think to this day he's still 
Yeah, he still doesn't represent their ideals. You know, he he does whatever he wants. You know, uh, a lot of people that are conservative, you know, they claim they love America, right? Like, there's you know nothing more passionate than in loving your country, um, and they all love Donald Trump, but he wants to change the next election date, right? He tweeted about that today. Maybe we should push the election date back. Which, you know, a lot of people have said, well, in the Constitution, it's always the same day. Every election, you can't do that. So, you know, it, it just, it's like time and time again, you know, he, he does things that, that kind of go against uh, what you would consider to be a patriotic American. And uh, yet, he's still being supported. Yeah, and he is an amazing opportunist uh, who is able to use certain things and movements and current events to his own to his own benefit, which we'll discuss a little more about that later once we find out about uh, St. Mary's and and, uh, and the Chancellor um, uh, Sutler. Um, I want to get to this moment where V is introducing himself. He has this ridiculous alliteration, this alliterative monologue that I'm going to attempt and maybe fail at. Uh, but, you know, she, she finally asks him, like, you know, well, once again, she's still like, who, who are you? And so he, he gives this whole, I'm not sure if I can do a British accent well enough, but I'll put a little <laughs> bit, because I, I don't want to do like just a British accent and not him. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, but definitely. I don't, I don't, my Hugo Weaving isn't really up to par. Um, but, but yeah, let's break this bad boy down. He says, voila, what's up? In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. So... Vaudevillian, it's you know very uh, very uh, dramatic uh, veteran. He's describing uh, well, actually, at first I thought he was describing Guy Fox, but he's not saying he's Guy Fox. He's just like, yo, I'm a dramatic dude who's been in this fight for a while. Yes, um, you know, as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. So originally, as we find out about his origin later, a victim of those who are running things, and then later on cast as a villain because he attempts to threaten their power. This vicious, no mere, no mere veneer of vanity is a vestige, vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. Uh, so, you know, he's basically saying, like, uh, you know, I'm wearing a mask. I'm not, I'm not vain. This isn't about me. It's about representing the voice of the people, vox populi. Only reason I know that is because Sean Astin has a political podcast called Vox Populi, which is meant to be mean voice of the people. Oh, nice. I did not know yeah. that. That's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I found it out when he was uh, interviewing on a voice actor podcast. Um, and it's and he says, now vacant vanished, meaning that there is no more voice of the people, no more will for them. However, this valo- valorous, however, this vala- <laughs> however, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and thus chafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. So that valorous, brave, brave visitation of a bygone vexation. So he's saying that basically like, you know, he intervened in this whole situation with her, uh, you know, and, um, you know, vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, the dicks who are supposed to be, uh, you know, safeguarding against vice. It says vanguarding vice and and helping people. They're supposed to be peace bringers, you know, protecting and serving. Uh, But, you know, instead they're... uh, violently vicious and voracious as he says the only verdict is vengeance a vendetta that's the name of the movie held (laughs) as a votive not in vain for the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous 
so I, I like that idea too that he talks about you know this this vendetta is more of a tribute to the people beforehand who have revolted and a tribute to the people now who are being oppressed and he says not in vain for the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and virtuous saying like you know our time is coming and he says verily the i should have looked up the pronunciation at least watch the scene again verily this this was a verbiage veers most verbose so let me simply add that it's my very good honor to meet you and you may call me v v what a way what a, what a way to introduce yourself um and of course yeah. we see a little bit more of his humility when she thanks him for saving her and he goes i merely played my part you have to give this movie credit too. I mean, a lot of these these lines, a lot of them, the movie gets so close to going into like comical territory where it could be so silly, and yet they still manage to pull it off. You know, like Hugo Weaving's delivery is so good, he's so charismatic, and you never feel like it's goofy or silly. You're just like entertained and you're drawn into him. I listened to uh, another review of this movie on the Now Playing Movie Review podcast. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, but that's where I got some of the fun facts, such as how Alan Moore felt about the movie and everything. Um, you traitor. But they, but, they, <laughs> but they do say, and when they mentioned it, I was like, oh, that's true. The expression on the mask never changes, but you can guarantee, like, you can swear that it does. Yeah, it feels like it, right? You can definitely yeah. tell, you know. I think they, they do some cool tricks with lighting, with his hair. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's some really nice, like, little movie magic moments, but they definitely pull it off very well. And, it, and uh, you know, it really just comes down to Hugo Weaving's acting as well. His mannerisms, the way he says certain things, like, it might be coming out of a, out of a smiley, sculpted mouth, but there's so much character to it. And kudos to him, too, for literally being under the mask the whole time. They did have another actor who, after six weeks of filming, decided, I'm not doing this in this mask. Uh, but Hugo Weaving, like, it would have been easy for him to just put somebody else in the mask for most of it and then just do uh, ADR for it. But he didn't. He was under that mask. That's amazing. It <laughs> that's, is. Uh, that's wow. I did not expect that. I thought it was going to be like a stunt guy or, or somebody under there. I did not expect him to be doing most of it. So, yeah, so you mentioned the Lady Justice, uh, the Bailey building. Now, one thing they did talk about in the Now Playing podcast was how they didn't like the fact that he was blowing up buildings. That they were like, oh, like, he is a terrorist. It was kind of tough for me to get into it. Like, I did get into it because this is clearly such a fascist government. But just because you don't like things doesn't mean you could blow up buildings, blah, blah, blah. Um, not really a critique of theirs, but I didn't think about that. But I guess a lot of people would, right? Like, if you're a regular person watching this movie, you may think that that's too radical, which is stuff that we see today in the news, right? Anytime there's a there's a you know, a, a, a riot or there's looting or there or there's a protest where where things get, quote unquote, out of hand. It's always, oh, it's violent. It's violent. They call V a, a terrorist. But guess what? Everyone has a mandatory curfew in that world. He blew up an empty building. Yeah, there's there's nobody in it. He's not hurting anybody. So yeah. I guess you got to ask yourself. Uh, we've we've discussed this before. You know, uh, one of our favorite podcasts, Move Left Idiots, talks about it a lot. Uh, yeah. You know, is violence against inanimate object violence you know is destroying a statue or a building violence and i don't think it is you know he's destroying a symbol 
Um, it's kind of a lot like how a lot of uh, Confederate symbols are being destroyed right now, or, or slave owner symbols, you know, in, in England, too, um, are being destroyed, you know, and around the world. And, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Sometimes you have to send a message. And as we see through this movie and through the comic, his his methods are very effective. Yeah, I mean, he does kill people. Like, we do see that Evie asks him if he's going to kill more people, and he says, yeah, he's going to. But throughout the movie, we see it's just the people who are specifically in his uh, vendetta, the people who are responsible for making him him. And, you know, he's just the lucky one who made it out of what happened, which we'll go over later. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, but he targets those very specific people, and then targets a building. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. I mean, he does kill know, police officers later on. Who are killing him. I mean, who are yeah. trying to... Yeah, they're trying to kill, kill him. him. So it is self-defense. Yeah. yeah, he's not just, you know, coming out of nowhere. They're like, you know, guards for the, you know, the higher-ups in the government and everything. Uh, but yeah, but, you know, for the most part, like, if you compare that to the, what the Fingermen have done and what the government's done, the body count is ridiculously unbalanced. Like, he, he V probably keeps it under like what 20 people yeah definitely i think he kills like 10 to 12 people in the movie yeah those aren't even punisher numbers Uh, probably 15 people actually yeah like something like that it's it's really not a crazy amount you know you know there's some action parts but it's not an action movie you know and he yeah he, he he can make his statement in a lot of different ways which he does throughout um, and while we're on the scene, there's two things I want to point out. One, that her name is Evie, which, you know, again, that, that <laughs> V. Um, yeah. And uh, there's a part in the comic I'd actually like to read, and it's it's Ooh. when he blows up the um, the Statue of Justice. It's a little different in the comic. Uh, Evie's not oh. with him at this point. And he kind of has, like, this really theatrical conversation with the statue um, where he plays both himself and her. And oh. he, he starts talking about how, like, she's his lady. Late, Justice is his woman, um, his love. And how she has, you know, uh, cheated on him and bedded another man. And, you know, he, he gets really angry and he goes, uh, Very well, so you stand revealed at last. You are no longer my justice. You are his justice. Now you have bedded another. Well, two can play at that game. And then he plays her and he goes, Sob, choke, who, who is she? What, what is her name? And then he says, Her name is Anarchy. And she has taught me more as a mistress than you ever did. She's taught me that justice is meaningless without freedom. She is honest. She makes no promises and breaks none. Unlike you, Jezebel. I used to wonder why you can never look me in the eye. Now, I know why. And as he sets the bomb there, he goes, you know, the flames of freedom. How lovely, how just. Ah, my precious anarchy. Oh, reality. Till now, I never knew thee. And, you know, I just thought it was a really, uh, really great moment, you know, where he's He's breaking down that he believed in justice, that, you know, he he did believe in her. He cared for her and he realized that she betrayed him. You know, the the uh, the fascist government has, you know, killed how many in the name of justice. Um, So he chooses anarchy where he can give, you know, freedom back to people. And that is a lot more honest and truthful um, than anything he has seen from the government. Wow, I uh, I didn't expect to uh, get erect while recording this podcast, <laughs> but oh boy, you did it! Just just Thanks, listening man. to that, I really Thanks. I really can't wait to read that book. Uh, you know what? Let me throw in another fun fact there. But apparently, Alan Moore uh, was not a fan of when this movie came out, and apparently, it was meant to like kind of critique uh, America 
he originally wrote it to critique uh, Thatcher era London. So, you know, he was kind of like, oh, like, why don't you just do an American version that's set in America? But they but they didn't do that for whatever reason. Uh, and, uh, you know, I will admit that at the time in 2005, I was what, like 15, 16 years old. I could not care less about this movie. <laughs> I thought it was too long. I didn't get it. One of my friends was like, was like, oh, I love when they blew up Parliament. And I was like, oh, really? Like, I didn't care. I couldn't have been less politically illiterate <laughs> if I if I tried. I really didn't get it. And then, you know, now, what, 15 years later, I'm crying watching this film because it is unfortunately so relevant. And, like, you know, they thought it was relevant then, let alone now when our government is, is a, you know, a fascist government depending on, on who you ask. Um, you know, we do see a lot of similarities between our government and, and this government. In it, the, it's in on the path. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily believe we're, we're in a fascist government because at the end of the day, you know, we, we still have the opportunity to fight and communicate, um, but we're on that path, you know, and, and we're getting closer every day. So I, I do think this movie really, um, you know, is, is a great warning. And, and me too, you know, we were in high school at the time. I just thought it was a cool movie, you know, I had a cool vigilante. I had an action figure of him. Uh, I was just like, yeah, it's badass, you know, bad government, cool hero. Like, I didn't really get any of the, you know, the messages behind the film until, you know, rewatching it many, many years later, uh, like you. And it, it was very moving, I thought. And, you know, I, I was really, I, I had to go out and buy the comic right after I finished the movie. I was like, I have to read this. Uh, because it just it, it just awoke something in me that you know obviously I've been feeling and I'm like wow you know this is this is powerful stuff. It really was. I remember texting you while I was watching it and saying that uh, it was actually getting me more hype than Snowpiercer did. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is saying a lot because Snowpiercer is more of an action movie and this isn't. Yeah. And yet it kept my attention uh, throughout the entire film, not just during the action scenes. Uh, because they also have this mystery that they draw you in and they want you want to know who V is also. Uh, so, so so let's throw some of the mystery away and move on in the movie. That way we can get to all the parts that, that we love. Uh, so, so, yeah, so they mention as soon as the explosion happens, you know, the government, they have all, you know, the, the chancellor has his meeting with, like, his, you know, his, his guys who give commands to their guys, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they mention that they're quarantining areas and detaining witnesses, uh, which is basically happening in our country right now. We have uh, now. Do you know if there have been any areas that have actually been like forcefully quarantined by military uh, occupation, or is it just that we've been told to quarantine? I, I've heard here and there, but I wasn't actually able to find anything on it. You mean like right now in the United States? Well, when COVID started. Uh, I don't think any areas in the United States, other countries, yes. From what I understand, like Peru, for example, was the military was like, you are quarantining. Uh, so we did see it around the world. I, I don't think in the United States anyone was forced to. Um, I've, I've never heard of anyone being arrested for being out and things like that. And yet still here, now we have the detaining witnesses part as well. Uh, we spoke about this last week during our housekeeping episode, so I'm not going to go into it too much. Uh, just that, yeah, we do have quote-unquote federal agents who are most likely private contractors who are coming in and uh, disappearing people to black sites like we don't know where they're be ta where they're being taken we just know that they're they're protesting they're exercising their first amendment rights and they're being taken away for it arrested by we don't know who and the worst part is that there are people who are still supporting them 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty terrifying, right, to think that people think that's okay. And that's where, you know why I think we are on the road to fascism, because once people start accepting it is when they can get away with it. You know, it, it's like they're constantly testing us to see how much power they can abuse. Uh, you know, we saw it in, in World War II and, in, in, you know, in Germany and, and like how Hitler, you know, won his people over and, and you know, slowly but surely was able to, to make them accept, you know, uh, hunting and killing Jews. Right. And and now, you know, today we, we have people being thrown into the vans and disappearing, which is what you see in this movie. You know, people have a bag thrown over their head. They disappear. That happens to Evie's parents. Uh, they're kidnapped and she never sees them again. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just, it, it, it's the path to the end for us. And, you know, that's why I think people are protesting at least and, and fighting back. Um, I don't know if they mentioned in the movie, but in the comic, there are, they did protest as well. They, they fought when this all started. Uh, there was, you know, uh, uh, gay and trans people were, were protesting the fascist government, um, uh, black, brown people, uh, Muslims, any, anyone you can imagine that, that they were supposed, you know, that was fighting for their lives. They did in, in the beginning of the comic, they did protest, but eventually they were, uh, you know, eradicated. Yeah, and the worst part of, well, one of the worst parts of what we have today is that there are people who are okay with this disappearing of people because they're simply told, oh, these people are criminals. They're commies. They don't like America. They don't like freedom. So it, it's fine to take them away. And I think I mentioned last week in my indignant raid, uh, in my indignant rant, but it, it's going to be you. It's going to be you at some point. If you were, you know, let's say you were doing a, a mask protest because it's become a political thing, our public health, and you were at an anti-mask protest. Let's say you came unarmed, whatever, and just for being there, you started being disappeared for exercising your First Amendment right. Like it's, a, it's a little bit different than, you know, quote, quote, like, oh, these liberal pussies who, who you know, who think that racism is bad. <laughs> like, you know, it's going to be you at some point. It's ironic, right? Because... They're saying, you know, uh, commies are the enemy of, of freedom. Well, you're literally having your freedom taken away right now, and you're okay with it. And, you know, I think what really drives me nuts is whether you agree with these people, like them or not, they are fellow Americans, right? And the fact that you're okay with them being treated this way, you know, it, it that's a scary thought because, you know, we're, we should be united. We should be together. And, you know, where is that passion for America if you're okay with its citizens being, you know, injured, killed, or kidnapped? Yeah, if you if you have a don't tread on me flag at all, or any of those sentiments, you should be upset about what, what's been happening. And it's not just Portland anymore. Uh, they've been doing it in other cities as well, which I'll throw in the show notes. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you know, getting back to the movie, um, you know, after the, the statue is destroyed, uh, you know... V kind of, you know, made his his impression on Evie um, and, and obviously is, you know, something that that stuck with her. But uh, more importantly, the government has cameras everywhere. Right. So they're constantly watching, um, which, you know, I think England does have uh, CCTV pretty much everywhere. So it's not that far fetched. Um, and, and they are able to see, you know, these, these fingermen attacked by V, um, and they're actually able to see Evie as well. And they start working on, you know, who her identity is. Yeah. And we also see this amazing spin that they just have ready. Uh, the, the chancellor Sutler says, all right, 
what we're gonna do is say that the building was meant to be demolished, uh, that you know we didn't know about the fireworks, that the workers put them there last minute as a you know nice little thing for the people around it. Blah blah blah. Uh, we're gonna say that uh, you know the old statues need to be torn down and we need to put up new ones. Who cares about that history? And this is where something struck me. It's very easy for somebody else, let's say a pro-Confederate statue person, to watch this movie and empathize with V the same way you and I are. I think it's very easy for them to to do that. And that that's kind of it's kind of scary. Hmm. You know, because because there's also like, oh, they feel that if they can't misgender a trans person, that their First Amendment right is being stepped on. They're like, all right, they're stepping on our First Amendment rights. They want to get rid of our history. You know, the government's blah, blah, blah. But we still love the guy who runs the government. I don't know where that part comes in. I honestly don't. But, um, <laughs> but I, you know, I, like I have seen a lot of these arguments in, you know, other in other circles. We'll we'll talk a little bit later about the. You know, we could talk about the the Bill Gates conspiracy to create COVID-19 and how that kind of happens in this movie. Yeah, it's very eerie. <laughs> it definitely, it, it, uh, yeah, it you is. know, got me, give me some chills watching this. Yeah. And uh, and there's this really nice line that they have inside the uh, the newsroom where uh, where it says, our job is to report the news, not fabricate it. That's the government's job. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, we also get introduced to to Evie's boss. His name is Diedrich, uh, who at the beginning, he seems kind of like a Weinstein, Roger Ailes sort of character. He seems kind of creepy, a little in her face and stuff. Yeah, and we know, you know, if you pay, really pay attention in the beginning, that's where Evie's going to meet, you know, who she's going to meet. And she's getting, you know, all made up, right? She's doing her hair, putting makeup on. So, you know, it obviously he likes his, you know, pretty young ladies and, and you know, that she's trying to impress him, you know, when she goes to meet him. And it kind of seems like that's who he's going to be. Um, but, you know, obviously later on we find out he's, he's not exactly who he appears. Yes. Uh, while Evie is at work, there ends up being... Uh, a little bit of a stunt here that V pulls. He manages to hack their newsroom and and start premiering uh, all over all over Britain. Uh, can I read a little bit of his monologue? Please. All right. So he basically gives this whole speech, which once again, if you're paying attention, you may find is a little relevant to now. Uh, but I'll just I'll give a segment of it, which is still going to be too long. So he says, <clears throat> "Why?" Because while the truncheon may be used in lieu of conversation, words will always retain their power. Words offer the means to meaning, and for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth. And the truth is, there is something terribly wrong with this country, isn't there? Cruelty and injustice, intolerance and oppression, and where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have censors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and soliciting your submission. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those more responsible than others, and they will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only to look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease. There were a myriad of problems which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you, and in your panic you turned to the now high chancellor, Adam Sutler. He promised you order, he promised you peace, and all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent. Last night I sought to end that silence. Last night I destroyed the old Bailey to remind this country of what it has forgotten. 
More than 400 years ago, a great citizen wished to embed the 5th of November forever in our memory. His hope was to remind the world that fairness, justice, and freedom are more than words. They are perspectives. So if you've seen nothing, if the crimes of this government remain unknown to you, then I would suggest you allow the 5th of November to pass unmarked. End scene. So um, good. It's so good. I mean, it's such a great as speech. He was, as he was saying that, I was like, what? I was like, war? Terror? Disease? Us just <laughs> giving our consent to a leader who's going to take over using these things? This is wild. But, man, how could he have called it, Ty? How could he have predicted it? Because we've seen it before. I mean, it's reality, right? I mean, literally, that's what Hitler did. Uh, you know, it's, it's happened in, in the history of the world. So, um, you know, it, it is weird that he's predicted it so closely to what's happening now. But um, I think Alan Moore was a really, really intelligent man. And, uh, you know, still is, I guess. Even though he doesn't really do much interviewing or anything now. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> he's kind of, you know distance himself but you know i think he he saw the world for what it was and he used comics as a as a means of expressing his feelings um about these things and you know uh it's it's interesting because i feel like his work is considered some of the most seminal uh comic books of all time right like he's written Watchmen, uh you know things that that people have studied and read for many many years the killing Um, joke the killing joke And, and i feel like a lot of people who read that maybe didn't get the messages you know they may not a lot of comic book fans might not agree with what he's saying here uh and, you know and i'm like where's the disconnect there i don't know but um he has a very clear message and he's not he's not hiding you know he's not trying to make it seem obscure he, he's telling you straight up you know uh, you have to act right if you stand by and you do nothing then evil will win you know and and that's uh it's something we're seeing in America today, and it's obviously something that happened in uh, in England in this film and comic. Well, Moore is one of those writers that he talks about through these characters. In this movie, they say, writers use lies to tell the truth. Oh, Evie actually says her father, he used to say that artists use lies to tell the truth, while politicians use them to cover the truth up. Uh, I thought it was actually going to be more. Uh, I remember the I remembered the quote being more about the media and how like the media is technically supposed to be the truth, but it actually ends up being the lie that covers the truth up. Oh, I think you know what we see in View for Vendetta is they're all connected, right? The the media is used by the government to tell lies. Um, the church is involved. You know, they're all they're all hand in hand manipulating the public. Uh, while the everyday people suffer, right? Yeah. And now V, he's actually in this news studio. That's how he was able to hijack it. He had this, uh, I think he played the cops against themselves, which is a great move. He put the Guy Fawkes mask and a cloak on every single person in the room. And, of course, the first person the cops see that looks like V, they gun him down and shoot him. And it turns out that he was a civilian. And it's like, oh, damn, like... Did V kill those people, or did these guys definitely kill those people? Uh, the guy, he was still alive at the end. He might have lived. <laughs> oh, well, all right, there you go. He's the, fine. the only officer who really, you know, shows any reserve is Finch, right? And, uh, you know, it's kind of good timing on V's part because they're there to arrest Evie. 
at the same time, right? So there's like this like SWAT unit coming in to get V, and then there's Finch and his partner, uh, I think Dominic. Yeah, they're they're coming to arrest Evie after seeing her on the screen, you know. And I think Finch is a little more intelligent than a lot of the other police officers, um, and you know he kind of figures it out very quickly that they're being played against each other. And he's like, "Hold your fire! Hold your fire!" You know, and he he checks, it, you know, he pulls the mask off, and he's like, "All right, like this, you know, we're, we're falling right into his trap." Well, Finch is a detective. Uh, he is. Or, you know, I think that he's a chief inspector, but we would call him a detective. And, you know, that is, that is such an interesting thing because with all this talk about defunding the police, you know, we have people who are like, oh, well, what about the child molesters and the domestic abusers? And, uh, you know, wh- how are we going to get them if, if there's no cops? Blah, blah, blah. Which, <laughs> one, the goal isn't no cops. But, two, it's like it's not those people. Like, SVU isn't going out and at you know <laughs> kneeling on someone's neck until they fucking die. Yeah, I like, think people don't realize that. Like, not, not saying all detectives officer, are good, yeah. but but their their job is to uncover the truth. Like literally, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's a little different. They're not beat cops. They're not pulling people over, you know, for having marijuana on them or, or like blowing a stop sign. Like they're they're there to you know investigate a murder or a rape. And again, they could be you know bad people. They can do a bad bad thing at their job, but uh, you know. Usually they're they're trying they have a, a different goal I'd guess you know you could say and and here you can see that with Finch you know he's trying to uncover the story he's trying to get to the truth I think he even says he says to his partner uh, you know let's um let's talk to her for a few minutes before Creedy's men throws a uh, throws a black bag over her head you know because he knows that she's gonna get thrown into one of these you know um, prisons that no one will ever hear from her again but he wants to get her side of the story first. You know, and he only has a few minutes to do it. So, like, you know, he's telling his partner, like, try to get that information before she gets taken away. It is interesting to see that he is complicit in that, too. Like, he's kind of like, well, the system is what it is. Like, I work in the system, but it just kind of is. Yeah, I mean, his, his portrayal in the in the movie is a lot more flattering than it is in the comic. <laughs> and uh, as we get further along, I'll, I'll kind of tell you, you know, where, where they, they differentiate. But, uh, you know, that is, you know, it's true. He, he's He's a part of the system. Yeah, I heard that the way he reacts to what he finds out is a, a little bit different in the book. <laughs> so, yeah, we do find out that uh, that V actually is in this crowd. You know, he gives the work to a few of these cops. He's actually caught by Finch. Like, Finch has him dead to rights. And Evie is the one who comes and helps him by macing him. V decides that he's going to kidnap Evie in order to keep her safe. And uh, and meanwhile, we do see the media, they they take it as the first guy who was wearing a mask that was shot. They they premiere that on TV as, oh, we got him. We got the terrorists. There's nothing to worry about. We got him. And yeah, we see this. They awesome- manipulate that story so much. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. You know, the sp- the spin is real. And, you know, the whole point of it is to be like, listen, like, we'll get you like any like they don't say it outright, but any dissenters. Anyone who wants to rebel, anyone who wants to make trouble, anyone who wants to disobey our laws will get you. Even this guy. Even this terrorist who, well, then again, they, oh, even this terrorist who took over the television station because they couldn't attribute the Bailey building to him. What's interesting, though, is that the people who are watching his speech, they, they're they drawn right in, right? They show, like, people at the, at the pub, people at home, people at work, like, watching this TV, and he's speaking to them 
And, like, you know, his message is really hitting home for them, and they're realizing his words are true. And I think when they say he's dead, there's a little girl that goes, oh, bollocks, right? And she, like, runs to her room so upset, and the parents yes. like, look at each other. And it's like they're already cheering for him, and they barely even know him, you know? But just I think the idea of having a symbol of freedom and hope again, it, it just, like, it, it speaks to them immediately. Well, I think also I can just speak from personal experience. The roughest part is to feel like you're alone. Definitely. You know, and, and I, you know, in the social circles that you and I keep, uh, you know, mostly because of family reasons and stuff, it is easy to feel like that. And, you know, that's it's what they said in that last Star Wars film, uh, fucking Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Never heard uh, of it. Regard- <laughs> regardless of how you feel about the film, they say that. They say that's how they make that's how they win. By making you think you're alone. And so, you know, V is, A, like, he is that symbol of hope, but I think he also just serves as, like, listen, if you're if you're feeling the same way I'm feeling, you're not crazy. You're, yeah. you know, you're not alone. You're one of us. And guess what? You're rational because sometimes it feels that way. To me, I am, I'm sometimes just blown away by how nobody is losing their fucking minds over all of this stuff and why and i feel why am i getting so angry for it why why am i uh, it can be frustrating man you know i mean people say well go out and vote go out and vote you can you know you can change it you can stop this go out and vote and it's not that simple a if they if these people who are saying go out and vote also truly believe that trump is leading to the fascist government Voting is not going to matter, right? Because he's going to say, well, I'm staying in power, and that's that. So, A, you there's... You'll find a way to secure another term regardless. Exactly. So, voting out the window there. Or, B, if you know, if you look at the history of our government and politicians and, and where, you know, uh, politics have led us time and time again, it's not going to fix anything. It's just going to go back to the status quo. So, either way, voting is useless at this point, right? Like... The best we can hope for is getting, you know, leftist politicians into different areas of government to hopefully push an agenda, which just doesn't ever work. It just never works, right? Uh, and, like, I think people are just, like you and me, are just sick and tired of it, you know? It, it, enough's enough. How many times are we going to be told just go and vote and suck it up? Like, there has to be a, a point where people say, we have to do better. We can do better. I don't really have anything to... Follow that up. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Like, no, that's exactly it. Uh, It's also worth noting that V does kill these police officers when, uh, in the beginning, he didn't kill those those guys who were going to rape Evie. So I thought that was kind of interesting. He he does kill them here. It is. Uh, And he does say later on when she's talking to him in his little, uh, his V cave. Oh, that sounded sounded much different. In his hideout uh, <laughs> underground, <laughs> you know, he sa- he says violence can be used for good, which, you know, that that's the very I mean, you know, me, my martial arts background, that's the very tenet of everything like that that comes from that is, yes, I'm learning how to do uh, unspeakable, terrible things with my body to another human body. Like like that's that's what fighting is. But, you know, I learned it as a last resort. Like, it's something that if you got to do it, you got to do it. And that kind of seems to be where V is coming from. Uh, I think also that, once again, like, people don't realize they only they only want to judge how you react, not what made you react that way. 
you know Very true. oh well this this person on the news is going nuts they're throwing a molotov cocktail or or they're throwing a brick or whatever or like listen you don't know how much that th- th- this person has has had to put up with at at this point and like you know the fact that you're not angry at the stuff that's caused this is part of the problem as well you know we see evie she has every reason to fight back but she didn't even think about it until she met v you know we find out about her mom who died during a hunger strike and and her father uh was killed by the military when when they took his shed um you know we also find out that later on uh that her brother died from a virus that can i spoil it yeah might as well the virus was engineered by the government. <laughs> and they had a cure the whole time, right? Like they they, they yes, released it on their own they people. They were in the pockets of big pharma. So they made the virus and made the cure and put themselves in power. I mean they they, they I think they say in the movie and and I believe the comics well, they you know, they said they where were they gonna release it that would be the most effective? On their own people. You know, they're willing to kill their own people. Yeah, which kind of you know, even that part, I was like, oh, geez, that goes into kind of pandemic Tory and blah, blah, blah. It does. Now, yeah. Now, I'm not saying I believe in those. Uh, like, I, I believe that, you know, it's something that would. I'm not. I don't believe the virus is not real. Same. Let's put it that way. Same. Regardless of where, where it came from or where, you know, whoever's pointing fingers right now, because we have a bunch of children uh, as world leaders and everything. <laughs> Uh, but regardless of where it came from, it's here. You know, it is it is a real thing, as you know, as we see in the movie that that, yeah, after Evie's brother dies, that's when his mother and father get involved and they start, you know, going to protest. They start going to riots and they have the same conversation that we've been having since 2016. Right. It's do we leave the country while we still can or do we stay because it's worth fighting for? And that's the the conflict that her own parents have. And it doesn't matter because the both of them end up getting black bags over their heads and they get taken away. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, uh, the ultimate fate of them, right? It's just, uh, oh, it, it, it's very upsetting because we, you know, very close to reality for us. Yeah. Uh, you know, we also have, we have these, these awesome moments. Uh, you know, we see V as a, as a great, uh, you know, homemaker, uh, he's making breakfast for Evie after he he kidnaps her. Which, <laughs> it's a great scene. <laughs> uh, gonna, yeah, V does a lot of fucked up stuff in this movie in regards to Evie. Uh, I do see that it is for the greater good, but it's still pretty fucked up. Like, well, you know, I don't think he makes them get her. They're gonna torture her. Yeah, stuff. I mean, he never makes himself out to be a hero, though. You know, he's never that tr- is true. He's never claiming to be a good person. <laughs> you know, he he's just saying that you know he is carrying this I- ideology, this message. And he's gonna do what it, you know, what he has to, to to carry that message across. So you know, he does kidnap Evie. Uh, in the comic, it's a little less um, abductiony because Evie is a 16 year old girl who is going to prostitute herself. So uh, when he saves her, she willingly accompanies him, uh, I believe, to to his place and lives with him for a while there um, until he eventually actually releases her without her wanting to go. He basically like uh, leaves her on the street and disappears and uh, makes her go back to real life, which is very different from the way the movie plays it. Oh, I kind of like that part better, actually. Yeah. 
Um, maybe if Natalie Portman, maybe if uh, she was still uh, like the age she was in Lee on the Professional. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it would have done something like that. Oh, really quick. Can we just circle back to that? Because I forgot to ask at the beginning because you were on a roll. Um, how is she trying? Is it hard to become a prostitute? Is it tough to get into that line of work? Uh, well, basically, I think <laughs> she's, she's like, trying. No, she's doing it on her own. My dreams come true, man. I'm going to become a prostitute no matter what they say. <laughs> well, the way the way it's played out is she's really this awkward 16-year-old girl who's, like, trying to be sexy and doesn't really know, like, what she's doing. So she's, like, trying to, like, you know, imagine you don't even have a pimp, right? So she's, like, doing her own thing. She's trying to find Much a random guy, a, pimp, yeah. a random guy after uh, curfew who wants to pay her for sex. So that's that's how it's played. Um, and, she, you know, she puts some moves on this guy and they're really weird and awkward. And it turns out he's a cop. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, she didn't have a fucking chance right from the beginning. Jeez. And she shouldn't be in that situation, right? I mean, she's a kid. No yeah. one should have to be in that situation, especially a child, you know. But uh, her parents were socialists. They were killed. Um, her brother was killed by the disease. She's trying to survive in a government that rations food to its citizens. Um, in the comic, there's protests later over, over food. Uh, food rations because of a computer error they say um you know people are they're they're starving you know under this this order order and of uh, this powerful government that can't even provide for its own citizens now they didn't go into it that much in the movie but they did mention how the food they do have is controlled by uh chancellor sutler how he like keeps milk for himself and he keeps real butter for himself whereas the rest of the country doesn't get those things uh, obviously you and i wouldn't give a fuck because we're you know anti-dairy anyway <laughs> yeah uh but you know but still the, the whole idea of the government getting to control what you eat is pretty fucked yeah we saw it in snowpiercer right you know yes, the, yeah, the, we did, we did. the upper class still gets the best you know and and he gets the high quality food. Well, you know, we don't know what kind of uh, food he's feeding his citizens, but Evie's reaction shows that wow, you know, uh, it must be uh, pretty, pretty, pretty poor food that they're feeding them if she's that impressed by like butter and milk, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's true. So we do see a few characters in this movie that I think molded together make the ideal Trump. Uh, like we see uh, <laughs> Louis Prothro, he's the guy who has like the you know the show. He's the voice of London, and you know he he's he's a you know he he's a big media guy. He's talking and riling people up and stuff, and he's totally into himself. Huge narcissist. But then also we do have Sutler, who is the man who is hiding in a bunker, uh, and and keeping you know keeping all the good stuff for himself and making all the rules as as he goes along. So you know the two of them together, I think they kind of kind of make that 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 Trump figure that you and I are clearly looking for in this movie um, <laughs> yeah which once again was made before it was never even a possibility that Donald Trump would run for president yeah I think everyone would have laughed uh, in 2005 if you told them Donald Trump would be president today but uh, yeah yeah I, you know and one thing the movie does really well um, I think uh, compared to the comic at least is it um it kind of tightens things up a little bit obviously you know they have to get into a two-hour minute runtime uh, where the comic is 266 pages uh so you know it's a pretty long comic um and there's a lot of different characters yeah, a lot of too. yeah like you know there's a lot of characters a lot of different plot lines um and i think the movie kind of 
got rid of a few characters and really just tightened things up and connected them a little bit more so it's easier to follow. Because there's a few times in the comic I had to go back and reread parts where I'm like, all right, who was that character again? Like, well, you know, why were they doing this and, <laughs> and things like that? Um, but, you know, so the movie did a really good job of, of really organizing things. And I think, you know, the end, when, when you really get the whole story, it's, it's kind of summarized for you. It really makes sense. As we move forward in the movie, we also see that, uh, so as Finch is trying to get to the bottom of this, he's like, he's asking the military about their records and, and he says they're either deleted, omitted, missing. And because of this heavy corruption, even he can't get the answers he wants, even though he works within the system. I, I thought that that was a, a, a really great arc for his character. Yeah, it definitely was. I think, um, it goes from him wanting to, you know, bring V in and, and, and stop this to him really wanting to know the truth, right? Like he really wants to uncover what happened um, and, and know, you know, what the answers are to everything. And it becomes much more involved for him. So, you know, V uh, winds up killing Prothero, right, in his own home. I think he is the first one that he actually uh, assassinates. Um, yes, he is. And he's he's the first in the line of several people that you know V leaves a very distinct message behind. You know that he wants the government to know that he's coming for these people. Uh, you know that that he kills. You know he kills them in his own home. He gets past their own security uh, when they think you know this stuff is impenetrable and, and they they can't be stopped. Uh, and yet V is able to to still get past them. Um, and he actually. Uh, recruits Evie right for for his next one, uh, which is um, the the bishop, the bishop, the bishop who uh, is revealed to be a pedophile. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, and you know a little on the nose, Alan Moore, um, but it it's just played so grossly, and they did a really good job adapting it for the movie. Uh, How long have know. they been fucking kids for? I'm sorry, just because he wrote that in '82. We got to remember. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, we got to wonder, like, how long, like, even then he was like, yo, priests are fucking diddling kids. That's wild, uh, right? Actually, that's really yeah. crazy. Yo, Alan Moore fucking knew some stuff. He's in the Illuminati or something, man. Like, <laughs> I honestly wouldn't doubt it. Not not for a second. Alan Moore you don't was create like, Dr. Manhattan without being in the Illuminati. No, he's like, he's like, fucking listen, guys, listen, read the comic. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, his next assassination. Yeah, and, and you know it, it's played in a really uh, disgusting manner, right? You know, I guess he has different young girls come to him, um, and in the comic, you got to remember she's 16 years old. She's definitely older in the movie, and in both, uh, they say, "Oh, she's this next girl's a little older than the ones you usually like." So it's like, oh god, like how young are the girls that he's you know doing this with? Um, and, and, you know, Evie, uh, leaves the window open for, for V. She allows him to, to come in and, uh, you know, confront the bishop. Um, and, and, you know, we start getting little pieces of the story here, you know, realizing these people have hurt V. He knows them personally. Yeah. And we also see in this moment that everywhere is bugged. Like there's a truck that's constantly driving around and I believe they hear what's happening with uh, with the bishop, and they they know that that's just what he does, and they're gonna let it go because he's paid up with all the right people, he's connected to all the right people. Yep, they they know exactly what he's gonna do, uh, and they're okay with it. They accept it. 
Yeah, because that, that's just how it is. Uh, but I didn't notice that until later on that, yeah, this truck, it goes around and listens to everything you say. Once again, Alan, like Alan Moore at this point predicted smartphones. Yeah. I mean, they're spying on their own people, though. That's the crazy part. Yeah. They're really spying is. on their own people. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't bring this up before, but when in the comic, when he kills Prothero, um, he actually doesn't kill him in his own home. He kidnaps him. And he brings him back to uh, his home, to V's home, uh, where he has a replica of the camps built, and he oh. dresses Prothero up in um, the military garb that they would have been wearing there, and V refers to it as a concentration camp, and he's like, "Come on now," he's like, "Prothero, look, you know, we we have some people to kill, we you know, we have we have stuff to take care of," and Prothero's like, "No, no, no, that's not true. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't at the concentration." The the, the the rehabilitation camps, you know, like Whoa. he actually said, you know, he slips and, wow. and V's got him, you know, V's got him dead to rights. Oh, that's, oh, that's so good. They, they were mentioning that in the, in the now playing podcast too, how now this uh, was one of the rare cases where, because like they have some people in the group who are like comic book fans, some people who aren't, some people who just like reading novels and blah, blah, blah. Everybody in that podcast review group read the comic book oh that's cool <laughs> yeah and they and they kept bringing up that oh it was like you know the concentration camps thing um you know it does turn out that uh do you want to just go into v's origin real quick yeah we want as well let's let's let people know yeah so it does turn out that the government manufactured this virus and then used that virus to get what's the word for people who aren't treated oh marginalized and then use that virus to get marginalized people into these camps. And they were doing some sort of experimentations on them. I believe none of them survived. They were kept without food. They were tortured. They were treated terribly. And then thrown in mass graves as naked as the day they were born. Uh, which, uh, you know, once again, right now we do see that primarily COVID-19 is uh, impacting communities of color. And at least in New York, we have had mass graves that we've had to set up. We've had, you know, had to bring in refrigerated trucks for, for all of the bodies uh, that, you know, that were killed in our first wave of the virus. Um, you know, but 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 moreover, uh, that <laughs> kind of reminded me of how um, there's always that that conservative meme that's going around. Uh, it's an anti-masker meme that says like, Oh, you know, uh, I I bet ninety nine percent of you, if if the media told you to get into a box car and go off to another place, that you would go. And I, God, sorry, it just reminded me of that. And I'm like, yeah, no, no I, you I guys, you guys are the ones who, if Trump said to get in a fucking box car, you to would go just off do wherever, it. You would go. You'd be like, no oh, get in a box asked. car to, to own the libs. <laughs> Owning the lips. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yep. But yeah, these 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 camps, right, where they they experimented on on people. Um, and you know, uh, in the comic, they really go into you know how all these different people. That, um, a lot of them were, were uh, gay and lesbian people, and uh, you know, and trans and all those kind of things. And, and they were using them as guinea pigs, which was so horrible and so disgusting. Um, and, and they had different theories at first. They thought it was the women who would survive it. And then the women started to die. So then they thought maybe it would be the men, but then the men were dying e equally. Uh, but there was one room, one, one person there who would, who kept surviving. And that was, uh, room number five, which in the Roman numeral is a V it's a V 
And that's where that's where he comes in. Um, now, did they did they say exactly why he survived? Like, did he get superpowers from these experiments or something? Uh, they, they so allude they kind of to it. it. They're very vague about it. They don't. Okay. They just say that he, you know, he keeps surviving. His constitution is really strong. Um, but he's just like right off the right from the start. He's very strange and erratic. Um, he's actually playing with like uh, I think it's like fertilizer or different chemicals in his room in the comic. And like uh, Prothero's, oh. Prothero's like I don't I don't like this like he shouldn't be playing with it. Um, and Delia, the the doctor who really did a lot of the experiments, she's like no 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 like you know we have to keep studying and we have to keep studying him. And she keeps interacting and interacting with him until one day there's an explosion and it turns out that he's been preparing this. He's been building this explosion this whole time, and he kills many of many of the uh, the guards at the camp in the explosion. And out of the flames, you know, he comes. He's reborn, uh, and and you know, it's a frightening sight to to Delia to see this this monster to her, you know, emerge from the flames. Uh, and they kind of did that in the movie too, right? Showing him like come out of the flames and and surviving it. Oh but, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah like is. he he did this, you know, he he was planning it the whole time. Uh, you know, he's, he's a genius. He's really, really intelligent. Um, and, and, you know, he decided that he was going to get revenge on these people one day. Fun fact. Did you know that the stunt guy who, who did that, that fire stunt actually walked through those flames? Um, I did know that. Yeah. That he, he walked through and they pretty much just had a G string on him and they had this like fire resistant gel that was on ice for hours that they put all over his like pretty much naked body and he had to walk through those flames. No way. I was kidding. I didn't actually know that. That's crazy. That's no, wow. yeah, it's, it, it's, it's nuts. Uh, but you know, stunt, stunt people very much are. They will do some also, crazy things. And they're also awesome. They are. Uh, unsung heroes. So. So we see that after Evie escapes this whole Bishop situation, she runs to her boss, Dietrich, which I thought this was going to be a terrible situation. I thought it was going to get creepy real quick. But uh, he takes her down into his little basement, and you find out that he is actually a collector of outlawed art. This is something we forgot to mention before, but V's entire bunker is also outlawed artifacts. Not not just not just art, uh the Quran, right? Like different, you know, like anything that, that they deemed not part of their white, you know, straight fascist society was was destroyed. They, they got rid of it. They, there was no nothing left of it. Yeah, and they mention uh, at one point that they use the virus to homogenize the, the world or to homogenize their country. So, yeah, like we pretty much see all of the same kinds of people. And now that I'm thinking back to it, there weren't, any black main characters were there no i believe in the camp we do see flashbacks with people of color we see all different types of people in these camps and yet when we view the characters in the movie that's the end result we see people who were who are left you know because they were deemed the right kind of people by those in power yeah i mean intentionally they don't tell you but it does make you wonder like why was v in that camp you know, what What? What deemed him, uh, you know, worth putting in there? I would say mentally ill, but that's maybe, probably not Maybe true. that's why. I mean, for me, it was uh, like I saw the the facility and it just spoke like asylum to me. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I, I always thought maybe the situation drove him, you know, a little crazy, but uh, maybe maybe he had things before that and they just figured, yeah, here's the best way to treat him. Yeah. 
So we do see that uh, that Evie's boss, he has all the like he has a Quran in his basement. He has a flag that is the the English flag crossed with the United States flag crossed with a swastika in the middle. So like you see that he is actually somebody who also thinks like V. Like at first I thought he was just going to be kind of like an eccentric rich dude. But no, like he also does not like the government, yet he works in the media. Yeah, and they have this fun moment where they play with your expectations because he makes breakfast, the exact same breakfast that V does for her. The egg in a hole, yeah. Right, and she's like, oh, that's so odd. You know, that's what he made for me. And he's like, well, that's because I am V. You know, and then he and he starts laughing. He's just joking. He's actually got a really fun personality. Uh, but for a minute, they make you think, oh, maybe he really was him the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and another thing they tell you is that he's also gay. He has like a bunch of, um, you know, a bunch of homosexual art and photography in his basement. And he says, like, you know, I know that I'm supposed to, like, entertain young, pretty women like you and stuff. But, you know, if I ever invited who I was actually attracted to, I would have a bag thrown over my head. And that's exactly what happens to him, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, this is where I, I, I think the film actually improves from the comic as well. Uh, in the comic, um, it, it's after V leaves Evie on her own on the street. Um, she has no job. She has no home. She's trying to find a way to live. So she is basically like stealing scraps from people's homes, uh, from their garbages and stuff. And uh, Dietrich finds her and they've never met before. And he takes her in um, and he, he lets her stay in his spare bedroom. Uh, they become very close and eventually they become romantically involved and she falls in love with him. Whoa. Yeah, it's very, very different, but I did really? really like the direction that the movie took it. Oh, that is. I like if they still kept him like the same character except they just didn't know each other beforehand, I like I would be down for that also, but no, nah, I mean, I guess, you know, that's kind of the way that you would write it in the 80s and whatever. Um, you know, probably wasn't you know, probably was a little more original than than it is. Yeah, definitely. You know, so it, it makes it even more tragic. Obviously, when when he is uh, he's killed, he's not taken in the uh, in the comic. He's straight. He's just straight up killed. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. So we do see that that he has this talk show, and he, I guess he's somehow inspired. I think he's inspired by V. Because otherwise, why have this this segment in the first place? But he has on a couple of impersonators of the Chancellor and has an impersonator of V. And they had this whole slapstick Benny Hill music uh, bit where, you know, they make the Chancellor look look. It's like a Bugs Bunny sort of thing. They make yeah. him look like an absolute fool. And then when he finally catches V and takes off his mask, it's also the Chancellor. And he goes, no, he's the traitor. He's the terrorist. He's the traitor. And then they go, shoot that guy. And then the uh, the, the military shoots both of them. So, like, that's a pretty open, guess what? You know, the real enemy here is the Chancellor. Yep. And he And I don't know how he didn't see this coming. But, you know, he just says, oh, I'll have to pay a fine or something. Don't worry about it. I'll, I I'll think he thought he apology. was too important. You know, he, he really he, did, didn't he? Yeah, he thought he was above uh, being taken away, right? You know, he, he was like, yeah, this is risque, but, you know, they're not going to get rid of a TV personality like me. You know, that's where, uh, you know, his own his own vanity kind of is his undoing in that in that regard. Yeah, like anybody can be replaced, and he didn't realize that. Um. 
But yeah, unfortunately, we do find out later that not only was he taken in the black, uh, you know, not only was he black bagged, let's call it that, uh, right in front of Evie, who was hiding under the bed, just like she was when her mother was black bagged. Uh, but we do find out later that when they found the Quran in his basement, they killed him. Yeah. In, in the comic, he stabbed through his door with a sword, which is uh, a pretty <laughs> it's a pretty over-the-top way to kill him. Uh, and then Evie finds his body. So uh, very different, very different way that he is killed. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, oh, it's called Lark Hill was the name of the Yes, Lark the institution. Hill. Yeah. And it was um, a resettlement center, right? That's what it is in the comic. It's a resettlement center. So we see that um, those guys who come to get uh, to get Dietrich, they end up getting Evie as well. They're torturing her. They're feeding her food that the rat doesn't even want to eat. And while, you know, they shave her head. And this whole time, they're like, listen, you can make all of this go away as long as you give us any information about V. Tell us where V is. Tell us if you think you know who he is, if you have an idea of where he might be. And we'll free you. We won't kill you. And it, it keeps going on like this for a while. And Evie starts getting these letters in her cell that are the story of this woman named Valerie, also with a V. And she's talking about how, you know, she came out at 16 years old with her first girlfriend. And, you know, uh, her parents didn't accept it, but she still did it and she was brave. And then she went on to become an actress, which Evie has her own history where, like, one of the only memories she really holds on to of her mom is that her mom got to see her in a play once and she really loved that. Uh, so Evie is kind of connecting with this woman. And then she talks about finding the love of her life, who is another woman. And uh, and that, you know, there's the, 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 his, this girlfriend grew roses for her and everything. And they could be who they were. And we, we also find out that V, with every person he assassinates, he leaves a rose with them. So now we know, yeah, what, the, what this rose uh, represents. And then she explains that her girlfriend was just taken away one day. Yeah, off and the streets. Then, yep. Yeah. And then she was taken away as well. She was just waiting in her home for it to happen. And she had this this uh, this beautiful moment, you know, in writing this, uh, which it's a monologue that's written on toilet paper. It's a it's a memoir that's written on toilet paper. And she and she says at the end, she's like, uh, I know that though I may not know you, I've never seen you. I've never held you or danced with you or kissed you or heard your voice. I know that I love you. And it yeah. was this great moment because it, it it is about unity and solidarity and we see that now that though we may have so many things that are separating us that this struggle is really what is uniting us that that we kind of should have a basic respect for each other as human beings because we're all being oppressed in some way shape or form and you'd think that would inspire some sort of love some sort of kinship this this is one of my it's one of my favorite moments from the film and the comic, uh, which they they almost did shot for shot, uh, you know, from the comic. It, it's it's fantastic, uh, and it's even actually a little more heartbreaking um, in the original work because um, after her girlfriend is taken, her girlfriend actually turns on Valerie after they torture her. She she claims that Valerie seduced her and she's the reason. What? That, yeah, and and Valerie says you know that she doesn't blame her. She still loves her, but. Um, you know, she understood that she did what she had to do. And her, her monologue is, is very, uh, very similar, but it, it is a little different. And if you don't mind, I actually kind of want to read just the, the, a little bit of, of where it's different here. Um, she, she says, 
I shall die here. Every inch of me shall perish, except one. An inch. It's small and it's fragile. It's the only thing in the world that's worth having. We must never lose it or sell it or give it away. We must never let them take it from us. I don't know who you are, or whether you're a man or a woman. I will never see you. I will never hug you, or cry with you, or get drunk with you. But I love you. I hope that you escape this place. I hope that this world turns and that things get better. And that one day people have roses again. I wish I could kiss you, Valerie. And as she's reading this, uh, Evie says, I know every inch of the cell. This cell knows every inch of me except one. And I, it just, it's just such a, a powerful moment, you know, of this, just this, this toilet paper, uh, you know, autobiography that's, that's passed to her, um, you know, and, and, you know, a part of, of Evie is, is keeping Valerie alive with her. Right. So, you know, now she has another, another, another human being she was able to connect with in this horrible, horrible place. And it's just, it's just really great. It, it is beautiful. And we see that uh, these memoirs have given Evie the resolve that she needs to not fear anything. She will not give up that last inch, though everything has been taken away from her. Her job, her, her life before this, her mom, her father, her, her brother, it's all been taken from her. And they say, listen, we're going to take you out back and shoot you if you don't tell us anything about V." Are you going to tell us anything? Are you going to cooperate? And she says, no. And he's like, all right. You're free to leave. She walks out. She realizes that all the guards there are mannequins. And she walks right back into V's bunker. Turns out all of that was done by V, this dramatic bitch, um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to, to radicalize. He is vaudevillian indeed. He's the vaudevillian villain. What a vigilante, this vain... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he 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 literally tortured her, uh, and did horrible, horrible things to her. You know, and and she says to him, she's like, "You tortured me. Oh, you tortured me." He goes, "Because I love you. Because I want to set you free." And it kind of harkens to the the Fight Club uh, quote from Brad Pitt when he goes, uh, "It's only when you've lost everything that you're free to do anything." Yep. And unfortunately, like she does come to a place where she's absolutely fearless. She doesn't fear death. If you don't fear death, what what is there to fear? Like she, you know, she she's completely liberated by being in this fake prison. Uh, you know, and V did to her what was done to him. Yeah. And she even questioned. She was like, oh, you know, uh, I would have, you know, these letters. Uh, you know, they wouldn't have did what they did. I'm ver- not saying verbatim, obviously. If you know, if I'd have known that you wrote them, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't write those. Those are the same letters that V was given by Valerie when he was in his cell. For all we know, those letters gave him his resolve." Yeah, I mean, the, he he carried that with him. It's it's so important to him, you know. And it, that was that was part of his his mission here, you know, was to carry on her her story and and her memory. Uh, and it's beautiful, you know, and, and uh, Evie has this this moment where she, she can't breathe, right? She talks about having asthma and she's just so overwhelmed. And he's telling her just, he's like, you were so calm when we told, we, when I said I was going to shoot you, when I was going to kill you and you looked death in the eyes and, and you were fine. He's like, find that again. And she does. And she's able to calm down. And then he does take her up to the roof uh, where, where it's raining and she has this moment where she's like reborn, right? She has her arms oh, outstretched. Beautiful. And it, it, it goes back to when he was reborn from the flames. 
you know, like the, the same exact thing. And, and, you know, she, she no longer has that fear and, and she has something in her that, you know, maybe would have never been awoken otherwise. Yeah. I mean, he was born in fire and she in water with this, you know, the, this rebirth and it really is beautiful. Uh, do you think there's a symbolism to that fake prison that like at any time, once we're ready to die for what we believe in, once we're ready to never give that inch that we can truly walk away from that prison. Yeah, I, I see that. Definitely. I, I think there's also a lot of symbolism to, to the fact that she's in water and he's in flames because, uh, he's the destroyer. He's the one who will break the chains, who will, who will kill and, and burn this government to the ground. And she's the one that can rebuild it. She won't kill. Yeah, water brings life. Yep. Yeah, it, re- it really is. It is beautiful. I want to go to one quote from Valerie's letter that I missed. Uh, She says, for three years, I had roses and I apologized to no one. I love that. Yep. And that is really beautiful. You know, this idea that even if for a little time she had some freedom, she was able to appreciate it and able to die as herself and not as not as a victim, not as a coward, not as a turncoat. She was able to die as as herself. And, you know, we should all be so lucky. Yeah, she was open and free and honest with who she was. And, and that's, you know, that's what brought her happiness. That's what, you know, can bring anyone happiness if they can just live their truth. So as things keep ramping up and the 5th of November on the next year approaches... Uh, we see that uh, Chancellor Sutler, he like he he wants to remind people that they're on the brink of chaos and that they need the government's protection. So he start, you know, all, we see on the media, oh, there's civil wars in the Midwest. There's the avian flu. There's water shortage. Uh, you know, all these things are being thrown out there, and it is interesting because it reflects very much the kind of news that we're seeing now. Which like, I don't know, like I don't think the government's telling us those things, but that it's you know what it's like V said right. V said it's a matter of perspective. Where do you, you know, where freedom is a matter of perspective. Absolutely. So like, whereas I see all this stuff going wrong, I see weak leadership in our country and I see, you know, that, that, that things have to change. Maybe there are other people who like the people in this movie see, oh, wow, the government's here to protect us from all these terrible things. And, and we absolutely need them. Yeah. And again, it goes to, what is the cause of these things, right? Like in, in the movie, the government is the cause of them. They're the ones that release the virus. They're the ones that kill all these people. Uh, but people are just concerned with, all right, they're able to save us. They're able to give us this cure. And, and you see that in the world all the time. You know, you see the reaction to it. And people don't question, you know, what the actual cause or the reason is. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at things, uh, you know, like, I, uh, let's stick with something in our lifetime, like 9-11 and the Patriot Act. Like Because 9-11 happened, and you know there are conspiracy theories about that as well, the Patriot Act was passed, and we lost all of our privacy. Yeah, it mean, like, never went away. It never went away. Yeah. And like I said before, we find out in this movie that all of the fear that was stoked from that virus was used by the chancellor to take power. And to extend his terms so that way he was in a position of 
unlimited power, to quote Chancellor Palpatine? Or does he say infinite power? I think he says infinite. He was in a in a in an in a an off in that office for an indefinite amount of time. And that is uh <laughs> you know, he was able to do that through through fear and you know, whether or not you know, believe, oh, like, uh, COVID was, was a conspiracy that was made up, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think we do see that the president, you know, he wants to move the, the, the election date now. Like, we do see him taking a bunch of, a bunch of root, uh, shortcuts here and there to try and gain more power and, you know, and stay in office. Oh, like we, you know, we shouldn't accept the the mail in uh, ballots uh, for for the election. Um, it's not secure, right? It's not secure. He's saying, yeah. you know, he he fucked up, or to quote a bunch of people in this movie, he bollocked up the handling <laughs> of a global pandemic, or at least a national pandemic, because he can't control what else is going on. But um, you know, he, he bollocked up the uh, a national pandemic, and. Now you know there are governors who are trying to do what they can for for their own states, and and Trump is outright calling out certain governors and trying to radicalize their own citizens against them. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. It, it's, it really it's, is yeah, wild. It is wild. Uh, it is. And, and, you know, and and what you find too is like as much power as Sutler has, he really. He's not that prevalent in the film, you know. You see him a few times, um, yeah. and and in the comic they really go go into this, which I don't think the movie captured that well. Uh, he is almost a slave to the system himself. Um, he is constantly in that room monitoring things and, and directing things. Um, and they didn't really talk about it in the movie, but there's like this computer system that he has that runs all the cameras and all of the media and all the things in, the, in, in England um, and allows him to control everything. And, uh, you know, at one point he talks about how basically Sutler's crazy and he doesn't feel any kind of connection to humanity. He thinks it's just him and God. And this computer system is so perfect that he feels connected to it. And so he's just, he's obsessed with it. And every time V... Uh, fights back and and sh- manipulates them. He gets more and more nervous, um, and you see him slowly unraveling through the comic as he's beginning to to lose lose his own mind trying to uh, figure out how V is manipulating his perfect system. Oh, that's really cool. I like that aspect of it. I wish they would have shown more stuff like that in the movie. I mean, I could see why they didn't. You know, like you said, they did trim a lot of the fat, but that's that's a pretty cool aspect of it. I, you know, I can't wait to uh, to read that. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it, it turns out that V has actually had access to the system the whole time, and that's oh. how he's been able to do all this over the course of this year because he had all the passwords and he was able to get in and do it. Uh, and and towards the end of the comic, he's actually he changes the system over. He locks them out of it. Uh, so all the cameras and stuff are working, but only V can use them. And he tells the people, you have now have three days of no one watching. You have three days of freedom. And use it how you will. And Sutler just loses it. He doesn't know how to react to that. Uh, and he's being escorted in his, uh, his limousine, I believe. And he's looking out the window and he's talking about how he hates gays and blacks and pretty much anyone you can imagine that's not a white straight male. Um, and and then he sees like all the people like looking at him and he's like, you know what? They love me. Like maybe I should make an effort to love them. That'll that'll give me some sort of hope now that my system has failed me. And uh, you know he's waving, waving, waving. And he winds up 
pulling over and uh, he, he goes to meet with someone who actually assassinates him because uh, she's not even in the movie, but she's a character who had been hurt by the system. Her husband had worked for him. Um, so it, it's very different, a very different uh, a way of, of dealing with that sounds Sutler. amazing. Yeah, I, I, I really wow. enjoyed his portrayal in the comic, though. I thought uh, it really fleshed him out a lot more. So you're saying that in the comic he has executive time? Yeah. In his room he has executive time where he's watching Fox News? Yeah, no, pretty much. <laughs> say that exactly. But but seriously, what a what a correlation to draw. Like, yep. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Damn you, Alan Moore. You wizard. Seriously. So uh, as, as we approach the climax of the film, uh, we also see that that V has mailed out a bunch of basically V costumes, uh, you know, the mask, <laughs> the hat, and the cloak. He's mailed them out to uh, all of the citizens, uh, I'm assuming. And uh, and this one girl who was very mad that he was supposedly killed earlier on, she gets this costume on and starts, you know, like running around the street kind of pretending to be V, pretending to be what she believes is a hero, uh, kind of like using the cloak to catch the air like it's a cape or something. And, of course, one of the finger men, the cops, uh, they shoot her and they kill her. Yeah. And, and there's a really great voiceover that Finch has. He's kind of uh, summarizing everything. And he says, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of I see it now. Right. I can see I went. He goes to the camp and he's able to um, kind of figure out where things are going, what V's plan is. Um, and Dominic, his partner, is like, do you know what's going to happen? He goes, no, I can guess, though. And someone's going to do something stupid. And, and that's when we see this this officer shoot the little girl and, and the people turn on him, right? They they come out in a, in a crowd and they, I'm assuming, kill him. They, they start attacking him with different weapons. Yeah. yeah, which was super prevalent to now also. Um, you know, and of course, in order to quell these riots, Sutler sends in the military, <laughs> which is exactly what's happening now. You know, we have a weak-willed leader who would rather divide his people than unite them? Who would it's, rather? It's the only movie you can think of, right? <laughs> Just like Finch says, yeah. like he's going to do the only thing he knows how, and, and that's to use more force, more and more force, and that's what Trump does. He just uses more and more force. And I think Dominic asks him. He says, uh, "He says, well, what's gonna what's gonna happen?" He goes, "Every time people without guns go up against people with guns, people are gonna die." Nope. And then we have this uh, this awesome shot of people breaking curfew because it's approaching the 5th of November when V promised that he was going to blow up Parliament and he wants people to be there. So I believe we see Sutler on all the TVs, on all the screens, except now he's talking to no one. And it's been a consistent uh, shot throughout the film that every time the TV is on and people are talking – all these people are watching it. Like you said, people at home, people in the pub, people in the old folks home, they're all watching. And now the camera's going through and we see nobody there. They pulled themselves away from the media's lies. And they are now, I, I feel like Alex Jones, uh, and they are now, <laughs> and it feels powerful. No, and they are now, um, and they're now walking the streets. And this, so this is the shot that, um, that, that made me cry. And we'll, you know, we'll go into the fight and who dies and everything, but I just want to talk about the shot. So we see the military is there. They packed out these streets, and all of a sudden, 
all of these people with the masks and the cloaks and the hats, all of these V's start emerging and they're walking down all the streets and they're like, stand down, stand down. And these people aren't armed. They're just walking. They're just walking to parliament. They're not doing anything except they're breaking curfew, but that's it. Yeah. It's and, a message, right? They're showing, they're, they're giving a yeah. message that they're not going to disobey anymore. And well, they're not going to, you said just obey or disobey. Uh, just obey as in there. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as they're walking through, like all of the, all of the commanders are like, are like, all right, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? And they're calling for, you know, for Creedy, who at this point has been killed. They're calling for Sutler, who at this point has also been killed. And there was somebody else in the middle of that chain of command that has been killed and they don't know what to do. So now it's up to the soldiers to make their own decisions for themselves. And they finally do, and the order is to stand down. Yeah, which they, they that don't kill moment, their own people. It broke me down, man. I I was I was crying like a baby when I saw that because how beautiful would that be if we saw that today? And I asked you on a previous podcast, right? I said, I said, do you think that if this ever happens, and by if I guess I meant when, that the the people who are charged with truly protecting and serving our community, truly protecting and serving Americans, if they would realize that they're one of us you and did. not, yeah, I, I, I said that. And obviously we haven't seen it in real life, uh, but we ha- saw it we have movie. It? I think we have. Look at Portland. When they've realized that they're one of, what do you mean? No, I mean, they, 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 they've chosen not to. They've chosen yes, not yes, to yes. do it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they've chosen not to. I've always wondered if if they would, clearly it only happens in movies. Yeah. No, yeah. in in real fucking life, they're pawns for the government. They'll they'll follow orders and they'll brutalize other Americans. You know, because it, that oath doesn't actually mean shit. There was what a man in Portland who was uh, I don't know if he was a former Marines or Navy, and he Navy. walked up to them right, and he, he and he was just telling them to remember their oath, and they broke his hand, uh, they smacked sprayed. him, they sprayed. I mean, they they just they brutalized the guy. You know, just yeah. for asking a question, and uh, it just goes to show. Well, you know, I, I guess they're not gonna they're not gonna actually remember that they're one of us. So, yeah, it only happens in movies. Yeah. Well, guess what? You know, you're supposed to guard against threats, foreign and domestic. They are the domestic threat. Yep. How do you guard against yourself? You know, um, you know, I, I I hate to sound like a broken record, but guess what? We are a country that aside from genocide and racism is built on protest and protesting is the most patriotic thing you can do. And protesting isn't supposed to be convenient. It's not supposed to be just, Oh, you you know, well, we're just not happy with what's going on here, mister. And then we go back home. Like protesting isn't meant to be convenient. It's supposed to shock the system. You know, our, our, our body is sick right now. And if we don't know that there's any symptoms, we can't treat it. So exactly. You know, take take with that what you what you will. But that was that was an awesome moment. They made their own decision as people to not kill the civilians. And um, and you know, so before this part, there's this whole thing where you know V he has these awesome dominoes that he's that he's setting into place as Finch is doing his little monologue about what's going to happen. And now he sees V's plan uh, unfolding and everything. Uh, we also see that that Evie has decided to come back to V for one last dance. Uh, he he has a feeling he's not going to make it out of here. And V uh, 
does a very interesting thing here. He decides that he's not going to push the button or pull the lever, as it were, that's going to blow up Parliament. He has a train full of explosives that's going to ride under Parliament and blow it up. And he decides he's going to leave that choice up to Evie. He, yeah. he gets out his own vendetta. He is able to get Sutler uh, and get Sutler killed by his second-in-command, and then he is able to uh, take on all of, all of Creedy, the second-in-command. Uh, he's basically the head of the Gestapo. He takes on the Gestapo. He takes on uh, Creedy, and he gets mortally wounded in the process. Uh, you know, he knows that, uh, that he's not meant to survive this and he even tells uh tells creedy he says ideas are bulletproof i love that 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 was that was one of my favorite lines you know because creedy just keeps saying why won't you die why won't you die you know and and that's his answer and i think v intends to die i don't think he wants to live i think you know he once he gets his vendetta done uh, he, he, he's washing his hands of the situation. He's ready to die. I mean, he has been grooming Evie to take over. I mean, that's really what her whole purpose is, uh, is to, you know, to leave it in her hands. He leaves her his home. He leaves her the train. He lets her decide, you know, what to make of this new world. He has eliminated the heads of this government. Um, he has incited, you know, a, a passion in the people. And now it is up to her and these people to figure out what comes next. And there is this, uh, you know, this beautiful moment where she says, like, V is all of us. And as Parliament is blowing up, as the 1812 Overture is playing in the background, um, you know, we see all of these people taking off their masks. And we even see people who are supposedly dead because, like, yeah, yeah I actually have this quote. Yeah. And I, I really want to read it because, you know, um, please do. Finch says to her, he's like, who was he? You know, he, he wants to know. The mystery's still there. Uh, and she says he was Edmund Dante's. And he was my father, and my mother, my brother, my friend. He was you, and me. He was all of us. And like you said, we see all these different people take off the mask, from uh, Finch's partner Dominic to uh, to Dietrich, who's dead. You know, anyone you can possibly imagine, they're all taking the mask Valerie, off. Yeah. Valerie, you know, the, the, he was everyone. It didn't matter who he was under the mask. Um, and and in the comic. He actually tells uh, tells Evie, I want you to look at my face, but you can't remember who's under it. You have to remember it's the mask. So when he dies, uh, you know, she's pressured to go and look at his face and she's afraid to. Uh, and she keeps going to look at him and she keeps imagining she's going to pull the mask off and it's going to be her father. Or it, it's going to be someone she knows. Um, and ultimately, you know, she's like, if I take it off, you'll become, you won't be, you won't be that, that symbol anymore. You'll be a person. And I don't want to do that. And then she's about to pull the mask off. She sees herself. She envisions herself under the mask. And she realizes that moment. And in the comic, she actually dons the mask. And she goes out and she speaks to the people. Um, because uh, they, they believe V is dead. There's reports that he's been shot and killed and what she has. Um, and she, you know, she goes out there and pretends to be him. And uh, the people, you know, they rise up at that point. And then, you know... Uh, just like in the movie and the comic, you know, she activates a train with V's body in it, which does blow up Parliament. Um, with, you know, and it's very powerful. It it is. That's you got to get this book to me soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she actually kidnaps someone else to be her uh, 
her, someone she's going to train to take over for her in the comics. So the I idea think that, I did hear that mentioned in that podcast. Yeah, it's almost like Batman, right? Like there's always yeah. there has to be someone under the mask. You know, there there needs that symbol to keep pushing, you know, pushing it forward. And they really hammered home in the comic. You know, her and V's conversation. She just says, "I won't kill." You know, and he says, "That's right. You're going to rebuild." He says, "It's up to you how it happens." You know, you and the people. And she goes, "I'm not going to to lead them." I won't be in charge, but I will help guide them and I will help them rebuild, you know, because it's up to the people to decide it. It's not, it's not one person's job. Exactly. You know, and I think we just, I think because we've been born into this world, no, just with the idea that there are better power, you know, powers in place that are with better people, smarter people than we are. You know, we've kind of let them run away with that. You know, that idea of, you know, I'll just sit idly by and know that they're doing the best thing for me. And that's not, you know, now we're, we're realizing that that's, that's misguided. Yeah, I mean, I think this ending is very much uh, a socialist ending, right? I mean, you know, uh, you know, the definition of socialism is a political and economic theory of social organization, which advocates that the means of production distribution and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. And I mean, that's what we're seeing here, right? It's, it's the people coming together to, to decide their future, you know, and, and uh, obviously they've, they've overthrown fascism um, and they have to figure out what the next step is. You know what, what this made me think about though? What's that? Um, it's actually the most hopeful I've uh, felt about things in a while. And, uh, like, you know, I don't, I don't know where we're going to go from here. You know, are, is there going to be a physical rebellion? Are you and I going to be involved in it? If we are, we're probably going to fucking die. Like, yeah, let's yeah. You know, it's I'm scary. not doing enough sit-ups. Uh, I'm not an expert marksman. <laughs> um, you know, but chances are, if, if it does come to that, it's, it's going to happen. Because, you know what, like... Like, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've had those, I've had more than three years. Valerie had three years, right? Yeah. Like I've, I've had five years being with an amazing woman, uh, you know, who, who I'm, who I'm going to marry. I, you know, I've, I think I've been happier in my life than any person who's come from where I come from has, has the right to be, you know? Um, you know, I've, I've made amazing friends. I've like, you know, I've, I've lived a good life. I've lived more life than you know, Brianna Taylor got to live. Then Tamir Rice got to live. Then Trayvon Martin got to live. Then, you know, then any of the Black Panther leaders who were assassinated by the CIA got to live. Like, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, I don't have any less of a responsibility to to do the right thing. So, so if it does come to that, you know, because guess what? Like, the only reason Evie did what she did was because she had nothing to lose at that point. Um, but it's important to know too. Evie didn't fight in the traditional sense, you know. So, it, you know, I I think we're all going to have to make a choice of, are we going to stand there and do nothing? And if we're not, how are we going to help? You know, are we going to? Everybody gonna, has a part to play. Yeah, are we going to be V? Are we going to fight back? Are we going to you know literally incite violence to defend ourselves, 
Or are you going to be Evie? Are you going to be, you know, a voice of reason and, and someone who's going to help rebuild, you know, come from the ashes and, and you know, what is your role to play? Um, and, and I think there's going to be different parts for us, but you have to play one of them. You have to get involved somehow. And I actually didn't finish that because it wasn't, a, that wasn't a hopeful thought saying we might die. Um, <laughs> but, on, but no, you're, you're right. And so long as everybody does play their roles, unfortunately, I think there are people who are going to arrive even later than we have uh, to this, to this fight. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because, because like, I do know people who don't see anything wrong with the way the government's functioning, but they have every reason to, and it will come to them eventually. They will wake up. But I think we'll win. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I think we're going to win because the conviction is stronger than the other side's desire for power, I think. I like I think that. that our conviction yeah I, I think good Phew. Yeah, um you know and, and it may sound idealist but you know guess what it may be 10 years it might be 20 years but but it doesn't like you know like v says that idea doesn't die men die an idea doesn't die and it, you know it goes back to earlier when we were talking about bernie sanders and i'm like you know how the fuck if it was 5 years of me fighting for the same thing i would give up he's been fighting since you know how for however long and that's why you know we there there is an idea and as long as that i as long as that idea is there like i don't know i just i just feel like the 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 greed for power and 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 the and the whole capitalist structure i don't think there's any passion behind it and that's why it won't last it doesn't have the same passion that that we have yeah i i i do agree with that uh yeah another friend of mine and i had discussed you know kind of something similar and, and you know we kind of we're talking and, and, you know, I said to him, I think that the people in power are bad, right? Th those are the worst people that are keeping everyone else, you know, down uh, in society. But mm -hmm. the good people outnumber them by so many, you know. Uh, I do believe the majority of people are good in their hearts um, and they want the right thing. Uh, you know, so that that's a comforting thought to me. You know, while, while the bad people do have the money and the power... You know, we, we do outnumber them. And if we were to join up, you know, together and unite, we could we could do something. Um, what scares me, though, is history. Because history is not on our side. And time and time again, you've seen anytime something good tries to come from, you know, from another government, from another country, it doesn't work. And not because it can't work, because the other forces won't let it. Whether it's another country coming and destabilizing them, or or invading, or or whatever it is, um, you know, history has never been on on the side of of the good people, um, and that's what scares me. Usually, sides with the oppressor, not the oppressed. Yeah, and you know, I, I do think capitalism is showing its weaknesses right now during COVID, um, and I think you know, there's a very good chance it could collapse on itself because it's proving that it's not. Uh, the answer, not the end all be all, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that 
we're going to be able to rise above this and make something greater. Um, I hope so. I hope you're right. I really do. Me too, man. You know, I mean, who knows? It might not even be the U.S., dude. Like, you know, 20, 30, 40, you know, 100 years from now could be a very different place. And we've changed so much in the last 100 years. Just imagine what the next 100 are going to bring. Yeah. We Like, we are such a big fucking country too. Like as I'm realizing like how geography works and everything and how there are entire countries that are the size of one of our states. Yeah. It's pretty wild, right? It's like how do you, you know, the fact that we've lasted as long as we have is insane. <laughs> it's yeah, against all yeah. odds. It's so surreal. I mean, maybe, um, maybe hope comes in, in the form of Venezuela or Cuba. Oh, hmm. yeah. Or, maybe. or, uh, you know, secession from, you know, who knows? But, um, you know, we got to play our part, like you said. And like V said, look in the mirror. Because just as responsible as some, some of those people up top are, you're also responsible in your own way if you're complicit. Yeah, next time you say, well, listen, I don't get involved in politics, remember that. Yeah, that, that is that. you being complicit. And silence, and this is not an original quote from me, silence in times of oppression always favors the oppressor. Always. Uh, we also see the movie close out to uh, the credits, and the credits actually have speeches from Malcolm X and Gloria Steinem in them. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah, I like kept it on for a little bit, and I was like, "Oh, what do you know?" Uh, but you know, overall, um, I I cannot stress this enough. Watch the actual movie. I don't think that we did it any justice. No, it's um, a great you film. Might have. <laughs> But know. yeah, I I did not appreciate it at the time. I I definitely this film had had me hooked from the beginning, and uh, and it was great. It was it was very inspiring, as well. Uh, you know, maybe I should think of a, a role to play that doesn't require as much cardio. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that, that's awesome. Any 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 closing thoughts, Ty? Uh, no, I'll, I'll echo what you just said. Um, you know, everyone's got a role to play. Look at Diedrich, right? He, he wasn't literally fighting, but he made a statement on his show and though he cost him his life, uh, I think it, you know, it showed where he stood. Um, so you have to make your stand too. And, uh, you know, as a movie, as a film, it's, it's very good. It's a solid adaption of the comic, which I also recommend, um, some great work. Uh, the movie had some great performances, and uh, it had some cool action scenes, too, if that's what you're looking for. So um, definitely recommend it. Uh, it's a great watch, um, and I look forward to my next viewing. Fantastic. You heard it here first, folks. Definitely watch V for Vendetta, because 15 years later, it is still relevant. And it was relevant, what, 20 years after it was written? Um, yeah. So no, 22 years after it was 22 written. 22 years. 23, 22. Anyway, but uh, for the Politipop podcast, I've been Mike Booch. And I've been Ty. In the meantime, please remember to listen to us and rate and review us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the iHeartRadio app. Special thanks to all the listeners and to Antonia Little for logo design. Find us on Twitter at PolitipopPod, on Instagram at PolitipopPodcast, or via email at PolitipopCast at gmail.com. Don't forget to find our show notes and sources at PolitipopPodcast.wordpress.com. Today we're going to be writing out on a report to the shareholders slash kill your masters. This is a song by the rap group Run the Jewels, uh, which consists of Killer Mike and 
LP. Thank you so much for listening today. And remember, no matter what you're reading, watching, listening to, never stop thinking, never stop learning, never stop resisting. And always remember to read between the lines. Choose the lesser of the evil people and the devil still gonna win. It could all be over tomorrow, kill our masters and start again. But we know we all afraid, so we just simply cry and march again. At the damn convenient, my heart broke apart when I seen the March Mamas in. As I rap this verse right now, I got tears flowing down my chocolate chin. Told the truth and I've been punished for it, must be a masochist cause I've done it again. Ooh, Mike said uterus. Recording. All right, great. On the count of three, we snap. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. That sounded a little off. It did. Uh, do you want to do it on three or just after three? <laughs> I did it on three, so it's up to you. Oh, shit. Imagine we've been delayed this whole time. All right. Um, we'll do it on three. Okay. One, two, three. <laughs> Welcome to the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where uh, there's actually a lot of stuff uh, surrounding, like, how Alan Moore, uh, what's it called when you forsake something? Forsaking it. When you it. give up something. Giving it up. <laughs> Alan Moore. Fors- it's not forsake. What is Forsaken? it? Forsaken? I don't know, man. <laughs> no, fors- uh, uh, relinquish. And the whole thing starts off by uh, giving us a very brief description of who Guy Fox was, uh, with the whole remember the, re- with the whole rem- <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do the outtakes. <laughs> oh my fucking god! Okay. <laughs> okay. That was good. Oh, I'm on it though. Watch this. Watch this. With the whole remember the. <laughs> That's because I only wrote it once. That's why. That's why. That's why. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you want me to do this? You got it? No, I, got, I think I got okay. it. I think I got okay. it. One more shot. One more shot. Come on, coach. All right. He, his whole plot is to actually blow up parliament, but there's a reason he wants to do that. You have an idea of what that, that reason might be? <laughs> Sorry. I, I, was, I, was, I was trying I to read was, my note. And I then, thought I was leading off like really well, but we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, uh, in, as wait, in wait. sync as we used to be. Sorry, sorry, I'm trying to read one of my notes. Go ahead, do that, do that part again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and he does have this way. So I will admit, I did listen to another review of this podcast on the Now Playing Movie Review podcast. For those of you who are huge movie buffs, uh, a review of, of the podcast? Favorite. What? You said you listened to another review of this podcast. Like Evie asks him, she says, "Are you going to kill? Uh, are you going to kill more people? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Don't kill the people! Don't My kill the people!" Uh, <clears throat> and he originally wrote it to critique um, Thatcher. Uh, Thatcher. <laughs> he originally wrote it to. <laughs> I'm sorry. We can never host a podcast together again. Right. Yeah. That's and good. he says, really good. was it the government or the media? What does it say? No, I got to look it up. Damn it. I forgot the other half of it. Damn it. <laughs> so I ended it. Yeah. 
writers use lies to tell the truth? Okay, got it. Sorry. Mm -hmm. He says, artists use lies to tell the truth while politicians use them to cover the truth up. And that's such a great thought, you know? Like, yeah, like writers, they'll tell us uh, the innermost depths of our characters. They'll tell us so many things about our world and 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 social issues and politics and stuff, but they'll do it under the guise of a superhero. So you yeah. may not even notice it's there. And yeah, politicians, they'll they'll use lies to 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 cover the or they'll god damn it, they'll use truth to cover the lie. I forgot. I forgot what it said again. I just read the quote. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I can't put these in the outtakes, bro. I can't do this. <laughs> you gotta put some of them. <laughs> I got this, I got this. Lies. These lies that cover the truth, right? He actually uh, is, is caught by... What the fuck is the detective's name again? Finch? Finch. Okay. Did they mention the Count of Monte Cristo in the movie? I mean... Did they mention the Count of Monte Cristo in the book? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Oh, really? So Unless they made I missed that up it. for this one. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe. Uh, but yeah, so another big part of this is the movie, The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, which, as we know, is a, is, is a vengeance story. And... Oh, wait a second. The platform was uh, Don Quixote, right? Yeah. I'm taking this whole thing out. Good, because I'm now I'm <laughs> like, maybe they did have it in the, in the comic. I was like... Was it the Count of Monte Cristo? That was in that was the book that he brought in um in in the platform. That's, that's okay. We'll just fucking scrap that shit. Oh my god. <laughs> and I've been Ty. Please listen and read. Fuck. It was twenty eight years, by the way. It's twenty eight years. Yeah, because it wasn't written in eighty two. Yeah, it was eighty two. <laughs> yeah. What what's math? No, wait, not 28 years. Holy fuck. 92, 2002, 2012. 38 years later. It came right. out in 2005, dude. Oh, I thought you were talking about the comic. I'm sorry. Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait. So. <laughs> you oh, said no, after was. it was written. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Is it 12 years later? Let the listeners do the math and then listen to this in the fucking uh, outtakes. <laughs> they, can, they can handle it. Oh, my God. <clears> hmm. <throat> Or via Gmail at. And remember, we're going to be. Fuck. And scene. Whew, there it is.